Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. We're talking about purging the church, and um, we we didn't that particular message has not made it to SoundCloud. It seems like um, like a fight for that message to even be up there, and um, we had some 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 issues with it. But how many know that God gets the victory? Amen. First Corinthians chapter five. We we talked about that God is a holy God. How many know He's so holy? He's holy, and His holiness is something that we should be pursuing to understand more and more. Verse 1 says, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you of a kind that is not tolerated among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. Are you arrogant? Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. And when you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. How many know that the day of the Lord is upon us? And this scripture tells us to deliver pronounce judgment on the unbeliever, excuse me, the believer who has not repented. How many know that there's a such thing as believing believers? And we are among that, right? We believe the word of God despite what's happening. And we talked a little bit about love. What's love? What is love? Um, We say it's an emotion, feeling, a decision, or all three. Love is a great mystery. But we know from the scripture that God is love. Amen. And, and we see from 1 Corinthians 13 what love is. And we talked a little bit about that. And sometimes in our society, we have a twisted view of what love is. Right. And I think that sometimes we think that love is from a, when we deal with God's love, that is from a human standpoint. But love will drive a person out of their house. when. I'm talking about like specifically a child when, a ch- you know, they, they call it, we call it tough love. But we know from at least two incidents that, that the Lord Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit drove two people out of their presence. One was Lucifer. Lucifer was thrown from heaven. I mean, you know, when God throws you somewhere, it's, it's pretty tough. <laughs> I, I don't ever pray, Lord, make me humble. <laughs> He tells us to humble ourselves. I'd much rather for, for me to humble myself than for the Lord to humble me. <laughs> um, so the Lord threw Lucifer out of heaven. That's just a sobering. That was the perfect environment. It is possible to raise your children in a, a, a God-filled environment, and yet they don't yield to the God that you serve. And we also know the scripture, the promises. Train up a child in the way that he should go. When they're older, they will not depart. I want you to hold on to that. I want you to be intentional with your kids because it is possible for them to go into the wilderness wilderness for a season or two or three or four or five and come back to the Lord on the deathbed. But we don't, we, we're believing for the best, amen? We were doing things on purpose just to make sure that they do not go out like that. And we see from the garden Perfect environment again. I mean, sin was not, wasn't anywhere around. And yet the Lord drove Adam and Eve out of the garden. He must have had a car. That's a joke. <laughs> he drove them out. <laughs> and we, so God threw Adam and Eve out of the garden because he didn't want them to touch the tree of life and to remain in that state for the rest of their, the rest of eternity. So we see God driving people out. And we know from even Thessalonians that if a man doesn't work, that 
we shouldn't feed them. I think sometimes we, we damage people's development when we give them everything that they want or everything that they need. Sometimes they need to use their faith and depend on God and not so much. If you have, you have somebody who always depending on you, then it's not about God, it's about you. And so you point them to God, you make them use their faith and use their resources and come up with their own solutions. I remember one time, and, I, and my wife hates when I tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway, that I remember when Destin was little and he, was, he wasn't picking up after himself, and I always would pick up after him, and my wife would always pick up after him, and I heard the Spirit of the Lord on the inside say, you need to stop doing this, because one day, if you don't stop, you'll be picking up after him for the rest of his life but to train him how to pick up his toys. Amen. Little things like that. We, we're training our kids. So Paul is dealing with sexual sins in the church, and we talked about that, that sexual sins is a very big deal. It's a big deal to the Lord. And we see throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation how God put, he harps. The Lord really harps on sexual sins like no other person. He harps on it. He deals with it from beginning to the end. And he, he will not tolerate it specifically in a local assembly. And so Paul is dealing with them, dealing with excommunication. And he wants them to judge this brother and his sister and remove them from the midst. Growing up, I, I, the concept of excommunication was something foreign to me. And it was something that I equated with cults. You have the Mormon church, which is not really a church, by the way. The Mormon religion, they're real big on excommunication. Then you have Jehovah Witnesses, and they're real big on it. And I think because of these extremes, sometimes biblical churches, Christ-centered churches, are afraid to touch excommunication. It really isn't about just growing a church for the sake of growth. But we're trying to help people to grow in holiness, grow in their, their pursuit of God. And if it means that for a season or two, if a person refuses to repent, then when there has been certain steps to reach them, then we need to give them over to Satan. Now, that doesn't mean that you, if you see somebody said, oh, I'm giving you over to Satan. <laughs> Y'all supposed to laugh at this. This is really a tough topic. <laughs> As a pastor, I, I, I probably have count, I can count on, as a believer, I can count on one hand how many times I've heard ex, um, church discipline taught. There was at least two churches that I was a part of that they exercised church discipline and excommunication. One was from a former church at Agape Family Worship Center. There was a man who was harassing um, single women and trying to um, make a move on them. And it was, they, that person was approached again and again and again, trying to restore them and get them to think right. And it got to the point where Pastor Lawrence Powell actually excommunicated them from the pulpit and, said, and put them on blast. The same thing happened to a church that I grew up on in, and this church was big on deliverance. And there was a, a, a man who was um, having adulter adulterous affair with a lady, um, someone else who's two married people who were married, and they were getting together, and the church approached them again and again and again and again, trying to restore them, and they refused to be restored. And they took the proper steps from Matthew 18. They went to the individual, then they brought the leadership then they, they brought it before the church, or they took a second person, and then they brought it before the church. And because of the heart of unrepent, not being willing to change, they were handed over to Satan, and they were communicated. And do you know that judgment fell? I'll never forget this as a teenager. The judgment fell upon, at least I know about the man, fell upon the man. He had cancer and died in that state. He was very, um, I wouldn't say wealthy, but maybe lower class, lower middle class. He had a lot of money, and yet, because of his unrepentant heart, cancer took, at one point, God healed him from cancer, totally delivered him from, I think, prostate cancer. 
And because he got involved in the sin and refused to change, that cancer came back and just took over his body. And they end up having the funeral at the church. So I want to submit to you that sin, any type of sin, from gossiping to anything that will break unity of, of a church, those things need to be dealt with. I almost was tempted to name this message called um, Killing Jezebel. Killing Jezebel. Jezebel is a spirit, and that spirit will like to undermine authority and take over a church. So here, Paul is referring to this true community, challenging believers of that community to deal with that particular sin, which was a man who was sleeping with his stepmother. Mark Dever says this, Christianity is personable, but not private. Your life with Christ is reconciled to each other. So no longer are you, it's just you and Jesus, it's you, Jesus, and his body. People like to say, I'm spiritual and it's about me and Jesus. It's not. It's about you, Jesus, and his people. God is out. He wants to develop you in community. If you're not part of a community, we welcome you to be a part of this community. We are another good church where you can grow and be accountable. It's not enough. God never called us to be this long ranger where it's just us and we're walking down this journey. I've probably said it last four or five weeks, but it takes a church to raise a Christian. You know, we need each other. God made it that way that you're not to be inter, uh, uh, independent, but you are to be interdependent or, or not codependent. You know, I need my prayer partner. No, it's nice to have a prayer partner. But I honestly, I, I don't have a prayer partner. I don't, outside of the Holy Spirit, I don't, this is somebody I go to for prayer. It, but it's okay to have that. But you can't depend on your prayer partner. Humans form, right? You, you learn how to develop a prayer life for yourself. And, and so here, Paul is, this church was in the middle of a sexual field city, Corinth. And in that city, there was the, the, the sexual goddess named Diana. And they, they did a lot of different things. And in this church, they were doing crazy stuff. They believed that a, a husband and wife sometimes they should not come together and have um, int intimacy. And Paul was correcting them. So we're commanded to not have sex if we're not married. And we're commanded to have sex if you are. It is a sin to even withhold from your spouse, your spouse. <laughs> Let me clarify that. <laughs> because they're, they're, I, I discovered this song recently called Wifey by this group called Next. I never heard it in my entire life. <laughs> it's real old. <laughs> and I discovered it, and then I was having the boys sing this song, but it got to a part. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> don't look it up. Please don't look up this song. <laughs> but I, I like the part that says, will you be my wife? <laughs> yes, I'll be my so, And the boys are like, is that Sister Courtney? Well, one kid said that. Is that mommy? Yeah. Is that you? That's a joke. This church was in a city that there was a lot of prostitution going on. There's a lot of different things happening, and it crept into the church. Sometimes the church, instead of conforming to the ways of God, will conform to the ways of the world because of that influence, influence from the world. We have to guard ourselves. So this man was sleeping with his stepmother. And, and Paul, if you jump down to verse five, it says, so you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. That lets us know that one saved is not always saved. Contrary to popular belief, it is possible, and it's going to sound controversial, but it's okay. It's possible to lose your salvation. It's possible to walk away from the Lord and yet have a born-again experience. There's a lot of 
grace preaching that's really not grace. It's hyper grace. It's contrary to the word of God. Grace should make you more zealous for the things of God, not less. We know God loves us. God loves me. God loves me. But he also can be mad at you. He, you want to make God mad? Just go worship an idol and bow down to or Put somebody or something before the Lord. You can make him very angry or cause a brother or sister to fall away from the faith. You will talk about the punishment and the wrath of God upon a person. The, the, there's, a, there's a sermon by A.A. A. Allen. A.A. Allen was a healing evangelist back in the day. And the name of the sermon is called God is a Killer. And if you look at 1 Samuel, God killed some people. You look at Acts, God killed some people. That, that's contrary to a lot of beliefs that God, is, God won't kill you. I'm, I'm not here to defend that. You may disagree with that. It's okay to disagree, but search the scriptures and you find, the, especially the epistles, you find the warning again and again and again and again about these people who do these things should not inherit the kingdom of God. And there is an element. Now, that said, it's not when, when I say it's, you can lose your salvation. What I'm simply saying, you can turn away from the Lord. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not that, it, you, you know, your salvation is easy to lose. Right. Because if that's the case, we would have lost it a long time ago. Some of y'all use profanity and you lost your salvation. <laughs> I'm not talking like that. Or you went to a, a, a movie and, and it was a lot of things that was pushed against the word of God. You'll lose your salvation. I'm not talking about that. There's some people who believe that, that they can just lose their salvation over the smallest thing. What I'm saying to you, you can come to a place where you make a decision to walk away from the Lord and the spirit of the Lord will stop dealing with your heart. He said in Genesis that the spirit of God will not always strive with man and that there is a time that you can cross a line where you have turned away from the things of God and your heart gets hardened. And no longer is repentance available. Not that God is not willing to give you repentance, but your heart is so hard you can't receive it. The danger of putting off and saying, I'm going to get saved when I, right before I die. I'm going to get saved right before I die. Because you're so much involved in sin, your, your heart could be so hard that you're not at a place to receive. So let's not turn away from the things of God. Amen. So here, Paul is dealing with saying, you know, I'm, I, it's possible to give this person over to Satan. And I submitted, yes, last week, one way that we give a person over to Satan as a church is by stop praying for them. God will lead you at times to stop. And this, this goes against people who are really involved in prayer. And y'all know I, I love prayer. I've, I've studied prayer most of my life. There's a time that God will lead you to stop praying for somebody. Because they, your prayers are keeping them alive. Your prayers are sustaining them. And sometimes the Spirit of the Lord will lead you because they're, they're not repenting. They're not turning away from God, to, to God. And we see from the scriptures that God uses Satan for his own purposes. So go with me to, and we, we, well, we looked at this last week and, uh, for Job, but go with me to Proverbs, Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. We're talking about purging the church. Proverbs 23, verse 14. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from hell, King James says. Uh, verse 18, 13 says, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save him from hell. God, will, putting someone out of the church leaves them exposed to Satan. Satan does have power. You do understand that, right? He does have some power. We, we see from Moses when they were coming out of the children, um, out of, the, out of um, Egypt, we, we, you know, Pharaoh had the magicians, and Moses threw down his rod, and it turned into what? A snake. And then the, the, the Pharaoh's magicians, threw down their rods, what happened? Turned into the snake. So Satan has some power. So don't, don't think that he doesn't have power. He does. But God has all power because as you continue to read that, Moses' rod turned into a snake, ate the snakes of the pharaohs. So God has all power. 
There is also in Hebrews that Satan, let's go over there. Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews chapter two. We're talking about purging the church. Church discipline is not something that, you know, you run to and you're looking forward to doing that. And you're just looking for to put people out. There's some people who do that, right? They, they're looking for opportunities just to put people out. That is not church discipline. That's, that's something else. Church discipline has in mind the desire and the motives to restore a person. The goal of church discipline is to actually restore individuals to the faith, not push them, push them away. Verse 14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he may destroy the one who has the power of death that is who? The devil. The devil has the power of death. Sometimes the belief is that when somebody dies, that the Lord took them. I want to submit to you that there are things you can do to shorten your life. One thing is from Ephesians 6, that when children disobey their parents, there are three things that I train my boys that will happen to them if they don't repent. They will die early. They will go to prison. And they will go to hell. It is possible for children to set up a pattern for, in the, for them themselves to go to an early grave. There are certain things you can do to cause the law of death to operate in your life that will cause you to see an early grave. We see from Proverbs there are things we can do to add to our lives. I want to be on that side. If you eat bad food all the time and God is my healer, I mean, no, most likely you'll probably end up dying of some kind of disease. And, and I haven't done the research in a long time. A lot of the diseases that people are facing in this country is self-inflicted from stress, doing things. If you, they're saying even, I'm big on sleeping seven hours. I really believe in sleeping seven hours. I believe that that's, that's good, at least for me. Some people say, I can sleep four. It's been said, and research I've done a long time ago, is that sleeping less can actually shorten your life. You grinding just to store up somebody else's pocket in the name of I'm going to stay up all night. There are people who sometimes if they don't get enough sleep, it would cause diabetes to take place in their life. That, that was enough to scare me to sleep in seven hours. <laughs> I think I'm going to sleep seven hours. I, I, I like to sleep in the dark. <laughs> My wife likes to have her phone, so I have the little things, not to try to be all rich and fancy and bougie, but let me cover my eyes so I can have my marriage 20 years from now. <laughs> why are you on the phone? I don't understand. Why you, why you got to be in the phone? <laughs> Take that thing and just throw it. <laughs> and then I listened to um, William Augusto, uh, Dappy Keys, some guy named Dappy Keys, and I just instrumental because I don't want to hear nothing. I just want to go to sleep. That has nothing to do with the message. <laughs> Just make sure you get some sleep. Kevin preached about a message about sleep. It's important that we get some sleep. Satan is, the Bible calls him the prince of the air, according to Ephesians 2.2. 2. The Revelation 1, let's go over there. Revelation chapter 1. That's the last book in the, in the Bible. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. We're talking about purging the church. Revelation chapter 1, let's look at verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. That, I don't understand why I even put that, but we're going to say that's good. Praise the Lord. <laughs> like the, the destruction of the flesh, the church is to judge such persons and members who aren't repentant of their act of sin. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. 
So I don't want to preach perfectionism, that you come to a place that you'll never sin. We do sin and we do miss it. What I'm talking about is a person who refuses to give up their sin and to stay in it after they've been called on the carpet. I have a friend that I was having dreams of him cheating on his wife. He would stop answering my calls and I called him one time. He did answer it. And he's and I said, how's your marriage? And he says, fine. Months later, he confessed to me. We, we had this little tradition where we went out every quarter to Cheesecake Factory. I'm probably telling too much. And we sat down and he said, when you were calling me those times, I said, man, you, Lord, you really speaking to this man about my sin. I mean, God will speak to us in dreams. Not to depend on dreams. <laughs> Don't get it twisted now. I'm a dream. I had a dream. It means nothing, right? <laughs> I had dreams of snakes. Okay. <laughs> you know I mean? It doesn't mean that there's something going on. Don't put great emphasis on dreams. Because Satan can give you a dream. Don't be led. Or you could have saw something last night, the night before, that affected your dreams. So don't, we don't base our lives on dreams. But when it's from the Lord, it lines up with the scriptures and it lines up with our spirit. <laughs> he confessed to me that he had been involved in adultery. We are to challenge each other. If you know someone who is living in sin, and they're a part of the community that you're a part of, or perhaps even not, you have the biblical right to go to them and to call them out. What you can't do is if you're doing the same thing that they're doing, shut your mouth. Matthew 7, let's go over there real quick. Because <laughs> if you do that, the devil's going to have your lunch. Matthew chapter 7, I don't like giving up my lunch, and the devil will eat our lunches. You give the devil an inch, he'll take a foot, right? He will, you can't let the devil drive. You don't let him in, because you let him in, he's going to take over the car. Matthew 7 says this, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Here you are trying to get the speck out of somebody else's eye, and yet you have the log in your own eyes. Think about a telephone pole, and yet there's a dust in your brother's eye. I said this last week. You hear a preacher or anybody who's harping on a sin, 90, excuse me, 10 out of 10, they're involved in that sin. You, you hear people preaching against homosexuality, every service. 10 out of 10, my experience, they're involved in that. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. I can know what's in your heart by the words of your mouth. Because eventually you'll tell me what's going on. That's why, just be quiet around people. They'll reveal all their secrets. You don't need no word of knowledge. <laughs> just let them talk. They'll slip up. And they'll come out. Here, he's telling us, don't judge. People like to go to this. We're not to judge. We're not to judge unbelievers, but we can judge believers only if we're not involved in the sin that we're judging the believers for. Now, judgment is not condemning someone to hell. It's with the heart and the motives to reach them and to bring them out of that. Y'all do understand that, right? You, you don't punish your kid because you want to you show who has authority. You punish them for the sake to save them from that fire, save them from, from having a way of thinking that is unbiblical. Here we see Jesus, it says, how can you say to your brother, verse four, let me take the speck out of your eye. And when the log is in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So until you get delivered yourself from the log, then you're, you're not free to judge another brother or sister. But when you're free, then you can go and help your brother and sister. Say, hey, I can, I, I've been there, done that. Let me help you and show you how I got delivered. 
What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite, sometimes people talk about hypocrites, right? (laughs) Hypocrites in the church, absolutely. But guess what? I was a hypocrite this morning. I set the alarm for 345, then get up to like 530. I'm a hypocrite because I set the alarm and I did not stay true to my word. So if you want to talk about hypocrites, you're talking about, biblically speaking, somebody who's judging somebody else of the very thing that they're involved in. Verse six, do not give dogs, do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is what Jesus is speaking about. He's talking about the judgment. The judgment is the precious things of God. You're not judging as God. You're not judging to condemn a person and not be loving, but your judgment is for the sake of rescuing that person from sin. That's the motive. Y'all understand this. So when someone is excommunicated from a believing church or or a community, the goal is to rescue them so they can be restored. It's not about I'm better because I'm not involved in that sin. But the goal is to to win them. James chapter 5. And if you take the precious judgment and you cast it before the pigs, the Bible says they will turn around and attack you. In other words, the very judgment that you roll, like let's play um, bowling, right? The very thing that you roll out to others, and if there's anything in you, what you're judging others, is going to roll back and knock you out of the closet, and you will be exposed. James chapter 5. Verse 19, my brothers, if any, anyone among you wonders from the truth, is it possible to wonder from the truth? It is possible. The way the world is and all the influence of the world, you can wonder away from truth. And what is truth? It is God's reality. We don't have our truth. As a Christian, don't say that. You don't have, a, I have, this is my truth. No, it is God's truth. That's what we're after. God's reality in our lives. If anybody among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wondering will save his what? Soul from death and will recover and will cover a multitude of sins. It's possible for a person to be walking with Christ and on fire with God and all all of a sudden wonders off. And if you go and you go after them to bring them back, you've won a brother. You are saving that brother or that sister from death. And you're covering the multitudes of sins. Let's go to Numbers. Numbers. That's in the Old Testament, y'all. God is concerned about numbers. <laughs> he so loved the world. He wants he want the world. Numbers 19, verse 20. If the, man is, if the man who is unclean does not cleanse himself, that person should be cut off from the midst of the assembly, since he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. Because the water for impurity has not been thrown on him, he is unclean. Notice the scripture says, if a person is not, is unclean, who is, is unclean, does not cleanse himself, that person should be cut off from the midst. So this, again, is talking about excommunication. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Purging the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse six, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sanctified. Let's take a look at this. Sin is, is like cancer. It spreads quickly. It's also like, it's like fire. It destroys whatever it comes in contact with. Sin isn't 
isn't something to be dealt with lightly. It sent Jesus to the cross. They were boasting, but Paul is rebuking them. The church was sinning as well as the man. The church was sinning because they were not taking the same attitude towards sin like the Lord. Do we have the same attitude towards sin as the Lord? We should. We are to hate sin like he hates it. We are called to imitate him according to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. Let's look at verse 8. Actually, verse 7. We just read verse 7. Cleanse out the old leaven. Paul instructs the church to cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sanctified. So Christ, so what, what is leaven, right? I had to look this up. Paul is using leaven as an illustration of an unrepentant brother. Unleavened bread symbolizes the requirement of purity of worship. The church is called to put this person out of the fellowship into the realm of wrath and judgment into the hands of Satan. What is leaven? It is a little portion of a previous week's batch of dough that has been allowed to ferment. And when this portion is added to the new batch, the leaven made the bread to rise. It carries with it the slight risk of infection. Each year, the Israelites, in part perhaps as a healthy provision, had to cleanse their home and the temple from all leaven. Exodus chapter 12. Israelites left Egypt in a hurry. So the reason why it became 11 is they were rushing because God was telling them, get out, right? Get out of Egypt. And here, the, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is a seven-day festival in which the Jews were forbidden to eat anything leavened. And to this day, it's still practice. Paul is emphasizing that only, that only a little part of the church, one person, in fact, the evil will slowly but surely spread throughout the whole community if left unchecked. Like leaven and bread, unchecked sin in the church spreads through the whole church and changes it. Paul tells them to cleanse out the old leaven in order to be a new lump as you really, uh, as you really are unleavened. In other words, take out the old leaven and become the new leaven that you really are. Become who God made you to be. Become who you really are. Become holy because God has made you holy in Christ. The church is unleavened because of Christ. Christ is the Passover lamb. What was the Passover? It was during the time judgment was upon Egypt and the blood of the lamb caused judgment to pass over. That's why it's called Passover. To pass over, over, pass, right? <laughs> who has passed over the doorposts. Christ purchased the church with his own blood. He purged the church from evil and then cleansed it through his vicarious death. And we're to celebrate Christ has done what Christ has done for us. And so Christ is telling us, Paul, through Paul, to purge out the leavened bread. Somebody's gossiping. You know, gossip will send you to hell just like fornication will. So no gossip. Um, there's other sins, and you don't need me to list the name of sins, and we're not that church that tells you you can't do this and you can't do that, but you can't be drunk. I personally believe that Christians should drink, but there are Christians who do drink. I don't think it's necessary sin to get tattoos, but you should consult the one who owns your body. It is a sin to have sex outside of marriage. It is, it is a sin to bring somebody else into your marriage covenant, including pornography. We are called to celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, which includes the leaven of malice or evil, backbiting, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Look at verse 8. It says, let us not celebrate this festival, but not with the old leaven, but the let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and tr truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people. It is sinful for believers to associate with believers who are involved in specifically sexual sin. <laughs> I hear somebody say, Petey, this is my circle. <laughs> That's my entire circle. <laughs> Get some new friends. Because bad company corrupts good behavior. 
Verse 10. Now, it's not just, you know, if, you, if you're around unbelievers, you're in the world, right? <laughs> Verse 10. Not all meaning that sexual immoral of this world are the greedy, the swindlers, idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother or sister if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed. Notice greed is a, is, is a sin. Is <laughs> an adult, uh, adulterer, a reveler, a drunkard. How many know some drunk Christians? They, 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 they drunk on wine. <laughs> they drunk on power. They, they're drunk on lust. They drunk on anger. Swindler, not even to eat with such a one. <laughs> For what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is not those, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, but purge the evil person from among you. So we're not to judge unbelievers. If, 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 if an unbeliever is involved in any kind of sin, which they are, we're not to judge them, but we're to judge brothers and sisters who are involved in those things, who, don't, who refuse to turn away from that sin. The purpose of church discipline and purging the church is the redemptive effort to rescue a believer who is blinded and hardened by sin. It is to be modeled after the redemptive incarnational rescue mission of Christ to convince us of our sins so that we may be rescued from it's enslaving hold on us. So how do you do this? You do this with humility. Matthew 18 tells us about humility. Um, and you must have a radical approach to sin. Loving, lost, and wayward people. And be, have a real commitment to offer forgiveness. The church is a place of healing. It is a place of forgiveness. But it's also a place of judgment. It's a place where people can be restored. Because if you think it's okay to be involved in that sin, and if I don't ever say anything about it, I'm really not loving you. I'm not saying that it's always black and white. There's sometimes you approach it differently. There was a, 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 a couple that was attending the church the lady wanted to get involved in children's church. They never joined, and she wanted to get involved in children's church, but she was living in an adulterous relationship. Her and the husband, or her and the guy, was, uh, was living together for years. They came to our house, and they were talking about they wanted to join our church. And I called them. I said, do you think the Lord is okay with your sin? And they said, no. Then I'm calling you to repentance. I would not be a biblical pastor if I didn't challenge you to turn from this adulterous relationship. And my wife and I even offered the husband to move in with us so that he, until he can get free and get set, situated and then they can get married if they want to pursue that. And then we didn't hear from them for like seven years. They, they're talking to us now. They're still in that, in that relationship. There, there was a guy, uh, there's a pastor that I, I admire, I don't agree with everything that he preaches. John Piper, he actually had a, a Sunday school teacher. She was a Sunday school teacher. She had been teaching children for years. And what he did is he, she found, he found out that she was living, having sex with her boyfriend. Uh, I think they even lived together. They were living together. And he called her out on it. She was mad, left the church. I think it was like 10 or 15 years later, she saw him at, she saw her, he saw her at a convention. She was now a missionary in some foreign country doing mission work, her and the husband. And she, came, she ran and thanked him for being bold enough to confront that. It may not look pretty now, but it's best to, I'm, I love human relationships. But I'm willing to give up all my human relationships to tell you the truth. You got to be that committed. There are relatives that may not ever talk to you for a while, but it's okay. I'd much rather be the person to stand up for truth and to 
you know, I'm a voice of, of God to my family. I'm a voice of God to my community. I'm a voice of God to my, you know, friends. And it's always good to be that voice, that voice that is a voice of conscience. How many know that the world needs to know? It's cold in here. That the world, even though I'm sweating, <laughs> the world needs to know that the body of Christ needs to know that we're there for them and we're here for them. But at the same time, we're not going to tolerate them because we're trying to rescue them. We're trying to bring them back so they can walk with the Lord. Church discipline is really about, it's a family word. So let's, let's go a couple more scriptures before I let you go. Hebrews chapter 12. If I say, are you getting anything out of this? Oh, <laughs> I'm not even going to ask. I trust that you're getting something out of this by faith. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 5. It, it talks about, have you not forgotten, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not re regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Not be weary when repro reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. I think that, let's read this. For it is the discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there among his father that does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which you have participated, then you are Ill illegitimate children. King James says bastards and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall, not, shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time as it seems best to them. But he disciplined us for our good that we should share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So our goal is to restore brothers and sisters. How many brothers, let's just take a hand. How many people know somebody involved specifically in sexual sins right now who claim to be Christian? Raise your hand. That's all few, y'all. Okay, praise the Lord. Some of the more Christians are not. <laughs> I think sometimes that we try to preserve our reputation in the eyes of these Christians, these other believers, more so than trying to rescue them. I think that we want to be nice and we want to keep up our image that we have built with that believer. I mean, you got to love people enough to tell them the truth, even if it hurts, even if they don't ever call you again. They know that there's somebody who's willing to stand up for truth. You just have to make a commitment to do that. That I'm not going to let this slide. And you think that this is okay. The goal is to glorify God. God is glorified when, when we have purged the church from sinful believers. My, my short amount of experience is that I know that sinners love me. They really do love me. I, sinners are drawn to me all the time. They love me. Homosexuals love me. Fornicators love me. I have no shame in my game. I will walk with anybody. And they know where I stand. But if they're a believer, I don't, I don't. If I'm, not, if I'm not trying to help them, I'm not hanging out with them. Believers, I'm talking about believers. I, I used to, when I was working at secular jobs, I used to hang out with unbelievers all the time. They would cuss and use profanity. I remember one time I was at, at this restaurant, I was working at Red Lobster, and um, at the time Snoop Dogg was really big, popular, and, and I would be praying in tongues under my breath and preparing the, the plate. And by the way, I do know how to make those biscuits. <laughs> it was worth me enduring two years. Guess what? Um, all of a sudden, this center girl, she's from, it was in Oklahoma, this center girl, she, she loved me. She, I was her baby. So um, she, she was playing Snoop. 
And I was, um, and for some reason, I just start, she played every time she ran the line. And I just start rapping it. She said, oh no, the devil got up in this line. My baby's up there rapping Snoop. <laughs> she wasn't claiming to be Christ. But I'm telling you, it's one thing. I think we should be attractive to sinners, unbelievers. Unbelievers should like us. Don't be so weird. <laughs> don't be weird at all that unbelievers are not, you don't have a rapport with unbelievers. I make it my business to get to know unbelievers. But when it comes to believers who are involved in stuff, we're to help them, try to help them out. I just have to be careful because I, I, I know too much, too many people, and involved, where I've helped a brother who, who had committed adultery one time and actually got a girl pregnant. And he's like, she said she's going to get an abortion. I'm not going to tell my wife. And I said to her, I said, you're just another statistic. A black man who's not taking the care of their kids. <laughs> I distanced myself from him. She ended up having, um, losing the baby, and he was rejoicing over it. We will never be boys again. That, that's, that's beyond. That's, people in the world will take, some people in the world will take care of their kids. The other thing, the goal of church discipline is to maintain the purity of the church. We talked about this a little bit, also doctrinal purity. If, if there's people who don't believe in that Jesus is God, I got a major issue with their belief. So, you know, certain churches, I will not preach it just because I don't. If I go there, I'm going to start a riot because <laughs> they don't believe in tongues or they don't believe in. You know, I'm very selective with that doctrinal purity. So we, we need to protect the doctrine of the church. What, what do we believe as, 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 as believers? To restore Christians in their sin. So if, if a Christian is in their sin, let's, let's go to Galatians. I think this is my last scripture. Galatians chapter 6. That said, I'm not telling you to, let's read this and I'll say this. Brothers, verse one, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, notice caught, you, you who are spiritual to, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on your what? Lest you too be tempted. Let's continue. Bear one another's burdens so that fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. Then his reason to boast will be in him. Reason to will be in himself alone, not in his neighbor. And it goes on and says, "For each will bear will have to bear his own load." That's verse one, brothers and sisters. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual shall restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We're not to go and try to make that person feel worse than they already are. But we're to go and we say, listen, brother and sister, what you're doing is wrong. I love you enough. This is not right in the sight of God. Let me pray with you. Let the Lord restore you. Let me even offer my home that the Lord has blessed me with to get you out of this situation. And let me walk with you and restore you to a fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the spirit in the spirit of gentleness. If you go with pride, the very thing that they're involved in, you will be tempted to yield to it. So don't, you know, birds of the of feather flock together, right? He that is wise walk with wise people. So I'm not going to hang out with a bunch of adulterers who call themselves Christians. I hang out with a bunch of adulterers who don't know Jesus. I will <laughs> all the time. I hang out with Muslims. I hang out Buddhists. I even had Buddhists come to my house one time and I cooked them dinner. <laughs> I said, we're going to pray. <laughs> I, one of my best friends from elementary school, Jehovah's Witness, he's Jehovah's Witness to this day. I'm still trying to find him. <laughs> so Juba, if you're finding this. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, uh, his name was Juba. We went over to his house. Ate food with him. 
I, I, I will get involved. I'll preach at a mosque, got invited to a mosque at one time. I mean, I just, I don't care. Like, but there was one church, I don't know if anybody's here. There's one church we went, I went to, I preached at. It was uh, <laughs> um, a homosexual church. And at this church, I had a bunch of young people with me, and uh, it was boys and girls. The usher, who was a woman, tried to talk to one of the young ladies. It was right here in Newark. Um, and so that was one. Then the pastor tried to holler at my armor bearer at the time. And then I think the bishop and the pastor had something going on. I got up and I preached about homosexuality. <laughs> it got quiet. And then they took up an offering and they said, we poor. We poor. Here's $20. And during the offering, they were singing. Y'all know a song by Fred Hammond. We're blessed in the city. They forgot the, the guy forgot the words. We blessed in the city. We blessed in the field. And he dropped the mic like on coming to America. I forgot the words. <laughs> True story. I said, I'll never go back to this. I didn't know it was a homosexual church. Uh, <laughs> and they lied on me. They said, oh, he can sing. Oh, he sings like, oh, like nobody else. He preached with Bishop Jakes. I was like, you got the wrong person. I said, I didn't do any of those things. That's why you invited me. <laughs> Let's go after. Let's save the saved. Let's go after brothers and sisters who are involved in sin, who, who have been blinded by sin to restore them. That's the purpose of the church discipline. It's not to put somebody down. I mean, I, 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 I'm quick. I think, I think, I don't know where this came from. I think it's from my dad that de I, I developed within me a, I don't, I'm not harsh on people, even believers who are involved in sin. I will walk through hell with any believer. It's just like I walk with hell through unbelievers, but specifically believers. And we should have that same spirit. The goal is not to push them down, but to lift them up. How can I make your life better? How can I help you with Christ and walk with Christ? This is a hard message. <laughs> we, we need to be an example before the world. The world needs to see real Christians. The world needs to see us shine our light. I'm not saying that we're perfect, but let's help people. Let's restore believers who are involved. Maybe they don't know. Let's be the voice of God to unbeliever, to believers. And let's help them. That's the goal of this message, purging the church. It's not to just excommunicate them for the sake of excommunicating them. It's to restore them. Reason I'm start praying for you, because you won't get right. <laughs> you won't get right. I'm trying to get now. There's sometimes, and it, it takes a long season, and I'm not saying stop praying for people. You know that that's not the spirit. I, I, we pray for people. We cry for people. We call, call out to God for people. That's, the purpose is not just to, oh, let me stop praying for you. No, if, if the spirit of God sometimes will lead you to stop because you, 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 the Lord wants to deal with them, hand them over to Satan so they can like, wait a minute. Brothers and sisters who are out and, and, and blinded by the enemy. Let's not let them in. Why would you allow somebody to run down, to drive down the edge, a edge that's a cliff? Why would you keep them? Like, just don't say anything. That's what we do with brothers and sisters that we don't say anything. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Praise you. And I honor you. Give your name glory and honor. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, 
contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.